You are listening to the Jason Killingsworth Podcast. Let's go. This is your host, Jason Killingsworth. I've spent nearly two decades studying creativity, first as a music and film journalist, which gave me access to world-renowned musicians, actors, and filmmakers, and then later as a video game journalist, where I explored the fascinating marriage of art, technology, and interactive storytelling. This podcast is all about curiosity, risk, self-expression, play, and the tension every artist and thinker navigates between order and the chaotic potential of the unknown. If you find these subjects equally rich, you have come to the right place. Today's guest is Luke Chu, a painter and toy designer who has achieved notoriety in the art world for taking a cast of adorable animal creations and putting them in a variety of tragic and morbid circumstances. For example, his trademark white teddy bear with blood on its right paw, driving a sword through its own back with the other hand. His reflections on identity, depression, and the mixing of art and commerce are well worth your time. I'm pleased to bring you Luke Chu. All right, I am joined by Luke Chu. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, it's great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I discovered your art um, in a slightly unexpected place, not in a, not in a gallery, uh, one of your showings, but uh, on a website where I was uh, I was picking up a, a protective sort of skin for my laptop, like you know. Ah, uh, yes. And it, there were some featured artists on the site, and and you were one of those. And um, and the and the piece was a soundtrack to my life. Uh, there was this you know white bear against sort of a monochrome background, kind of gray background, and he's he's standing there. He's got his headphones on, and he's he's holding a a vinyl LP. Um, he's standing behind his turntable, and and the LP is just completely shattered into into two kind of big mm-hmm. useless uh, you know shards basically right yes and yes. uh and it immediately tapped into into a few things that that for me were so relatable i was working for a music magazine uh, at the time uh and so immediately kind of tapped into my love of music but then mm. also the kind of comic you know sadness of it and uh mm. and the haplessness of of this bear who's like kind of there to you know presumably to play some tunes and he can't He's unable to do the thing that he's kind of there to do. I, I, I felt that same kind of insecurity and, you know, with my own career kind of, you know, beginning to to get moving and, and, and mm. feeling my own sense of limitations. And, uh, mm. and I think just really just having not really grappled with with my own, uh, you know, cyclical kind of depression and uh, digging mm. more into your work and 
and seeing a visual language that I was able to relate to long before I had any kind of you know clinical uh, language to actually uh, attach to that thing. So it was it mm. was your work that that initially helped me start to to come to grip with some of those things. So uh, I, I feel like right off the off the bat in this conversation, I I wanted dig into that one piece, you know, a little bit more, just, just to, to kind of hear the circumstances, um, and inspiring it. Sure. Well, um, I created that painting pretty early on in my career and, um, you know, this is, you know, around 2003, 2004, maybe closer to 2005. And it was actually, uh, created for, my friend Elsie, who uh, just like the letters L and C, like my own initials, mm-hmm. um, he was a DJ and he was, you know, kind of putting together a little, you know, DJ mix, burning it onto a CD and selling it. And um, because he was so, this guy was so instrumental in getting my career started, I volunteered to design the artwork for his um, album uh, or for a CD. And by then okay. I had, you know, pretty kind of pretty much created, started developing a, a pretty, um, uh, I don't know, set kind of visual and narrative style where I was using these very kind of sparse, um, you know, images, you know, kind of tying, you know, using this rather cute bear caddish kind of character. Um, I always refer to it as a bear for lack of a better word uh, for yeah. now. And um, I was trying to, I was, you know, kind of considering in my head what is like the most tragic, you know, situation that a DJ could be in. And, you know, in, you know, I came to I what I deducted was that you know a um, a scratched record, you know, is probably one of the uh, the worst things that a DJ could ha- uh, would have to deal with. But yeah. how do you illustrate the idea of a scratched record? And um, well, the the you can't just like have a record with a little scratch on it. It's not really going to you know be um, you know read you know very clearly in in a, in a painting yeah. so the best idea i was able to come up with was the cracked broken uh record and uh voila there's the 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 foundation the general you know basic idea for the narrative of that that painting and then i uh just kind of you know uh put the elements together and um there's that now um the um obviously like you know there's there's so many other ways things that you can be able to you know interpret so many different ideas they could like you know you know pull out of that image and um i think that it's that kind of minimalist touch that um really gives it that open-ended kind of feeling and it's like you know it's a it's a kind of a tragic situation but it's not like the end of the world tragedy it's kind of like yeah. an everyday tragedy that we all kind of like you know um cope with 
um, regularly uh, in one form or another, which is the reason why I think that painting, you know, is so relatable on so many levels. And, um, you know, to this day, it's one of my most popular paintings. And I, you know, I'm really honestly quite proud of it. Um, Hmm. I've tried recreating it, you know, and there's just a certain charm about that painting that I just can't re, you know, uh, re-illustrate. Um, hmm. You know, maybe it's because I'm just not the best illustrator in the world, but like that painting, this <laughs> sort of captured, you know, I, I can't just, I just can't draw the same thing twice. I, I try, you know, um, unless I'm tracing and I don't want to, you, right. yeah. you know, have to rely on that, you know to you know recreate things but um i'm i'm flattered that you know the 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 painting really spoke to you thank you yeah it's uh it's moved house from between maybe three different laptop uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) covers and so when one laptop dies it it kind of migrates onto the next one and um, so it's, it's still it's it's still gracing the laptop you know now whatever, 10 years later, um, oh, that we're that's recording awesome. this podcast on. So it's, it's still, still following me around and, and still has some kind of resonant field around it. So I, oh, that's I great. It. That's great. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you so much. But yeah, I mean, you were talking about that image, not being the, like the end of the world in terms of that situation, but, uh, I mean, your, your work has, has definitely dug into situations that, uh, you know, in any kind of normal, you know, recreation would very much be the end of, of the world. You know, you have uh, this bear character and and sort of other animal characters like it. Uh, you know, with you know decapitated, you know, decapitating themselves. You know, sawing off limbs. Sure. Uh, you know. In, engaging in cutting and letting kind of demons out of of these wounds and um, one in which he has a tap kind of coming out of his chest this pouring black sludge out and uh, and you know obviously pushing into some some really dark uh, you know places so i mean do you feel like that was that you had to approach that kind of slowly or do you feel like that was there kind of right at the like right when you were starting to put paint onto canvas, you know, working in well, this style. You know, if you, if you look at my, I mean, you'll find links to all of these things on my website, but um, you can see like there's this kind of subtle arc that um, kind of develops. And it's like the first year, 2003 and 2004, things were a little bit playful. Maybe they started getting a little bit violent and, um, there's even certain spots where, you know, um, I tried illustrating these big questions like, why is the work getting so much heavier? And, um, you know, um, one of the the things that I've been pretty open about um, in my past is that, like, I'm, you know, a, a recovering drug addict um, and um, the... Uh, been sober now for seven years, but, uh, but like, especially, you know, in that period between, I started in 2003 and I think I relapsed in 2004. 
2005, 2004, maybe. And um, mm. the work just kind of got just, just got noticeably bloodier and um, more um, self-destructive. And I think it was just a, literally a mirror to, you know, the you know, the life that I was living and, um, you know, things were getting really bad for me. Um, I'm not afraid to admit. And, um, you know, I think that I was using these, you know, um, metaphors of severed limbs, you know, and, uh, blood as, you know, metaphors for, um, I, I was just I was just using them as representational of my addiction and the things that I was doing to myself, and to my body, and to my mind. Um, and you know it. Um, yeah, uh, when I, I like I said I sobered up in 2010, and after that you could see you know between 2010 to now the work has decidedly softened in yeah. all of those um uh from that um that work you know my my paintings are you know i think the thing that the the the, the, the i think you know i mean people who do character work like this you know generally i feel have i don't know uh, they, they get pretty short like you know lifespans because you know people like see it unless you're doing something i don't know interesting with it you know it people get tired of it pretty fast you know and um unless you know something you know happens like i don't know you get picked up by like you know some celebrity like design company or whatever you know or in my case because the work has been so i don't know i i like to think it's been very sincere Mm -hmm. you know and very you know true to you know my experience as um um a human being i think that's the reason why people continue to I don't know, um, you know, follow it and, and relate to it, even though even and, and, you know, like some of the paintings that like I've been creating in the last, you know, five you know years have been about how I am very much tired of my characters. You know, and you could, you know, um, certain paintings like even a monkey or burnt out, or, um, God, there's so many of them. I, mm-hmm. uh, even a painting called yawn or, um, there's, um, they're all just, you know, me kind of like venting about how I, I, I want there to be more to my legacy than this, you yeah. know? And, yeah. um, you know, um, and I like to think it's kind of interesting because you don't see a lot of creators, like, you know, um, explore those feelings. Like you don't open up the, 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 the comic, the newspaper, the comics in the newspaper and see an episode of, 
Gar- uh, Garfield where Jim Davis comes steps out and goes, I'm so sick of freaking Garfield, <laughs> you know, or, fa- you know, Family right. Circus where Billy's like, I hate this comic, you know, but, you know, um, because, you know, it's, it's also their moneymaker, you know, yeah. and, yeah, of course, you know, but, um, you know, I feel like Bill, yeah. I feel like Bill Watterson was one of those you know, few artists that, that really kind of said his piece and then just kind of vanished into the ether. Um, with the Calvin and Hobbes, uh, you know, sort of work he, he, and it was always hard to kind of decipher, you know, how, how much of that was, was him feeling, you know, trapped by that, that particular, you know, the set of characters, um, and situations and, and feeling like he'd said everything he needed to say and, and then just stepped aside, um, what what has he done since then? I mean, you know, like how is he like staying alive? Like how is he paying his bills? You know, um, the I mean, like Calvin and Hobbes left a huge impression on. Um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but yeah, you know, how old are you? I'm uh, I'm I just turned thirty nine a couple of days ago, so yeah, I'm oh. I'm on on yeah. the doorstep of for a. <laughs> Oh, well, happy belated birthday. And um, I'll tell you, the 40s are not that bad. Uh, But yeah, we're in the same generation. And so, like, you know, Calvin and Hobbes was, you know, had a huge impression on us. You know, we, I don't know um, whether or not, you know, it happened much, you know, across the pond. But like, you know, there were so many bootleg, you know, Calvin and Hobbes items when I was growing up, like, you know, Calvin urinating on, you know, on a Ford logo or a Chevy Ford logo. logo. Or yeah. yeah, or Calvin, yeah, that, you know, kneeling down to pray with, you know, casting the shadow of a cross, whatever, yeah. you know, obviously yeah, stuff that Bill um, never, you know, licensed, but like, you know, but the thing is, is like, those things are you'll be hard pressed to see those in that nowadays and new generations have come and, you know, none of them have felt the glow, you know, and the glory that is, you know, Calvin and Hobbes. And, um, you know, and, you know, we live in a, you know, it's a crying shame that like, you know, um, he didn't push that license just a little bit further because, you know, it could have, I don't know. I, I think it could have, you know, uh, done so much more, you know. Um, uh, no, um, but then again, you know, now that I think about it, like, unless you're freaking Disney, you know, <laughs> people's ideas just come and go, come and go. You know, we, you know, consume information like it was nothing. And um, we, you know, expel it from ourselves just as quickly, you know. So, you know, staying relevant, you know, is obviously a struggle, is, is, a, is definitely a struggle for, you know, any artist or any human being. Bring all the bandages, pressure the wound, it's a bright, bright red. That colors us in Go for the invalids, downers and killers And sick, sick bats and silicone drips Buzzing towards me, spirit awakens 
talk a little bit about identity uh, because it's a it's a really common theme in your work um, I mean you were born to uh, Chinese immigrant parents and yes. and I was always curious about the the strain in your work of like almost like abstracting yourself like through this you know this animal character and almost removing removing all human identifiers from from that image and and mm. how much kind of conscious kind of sense of like embracing or, or balancing kind of your identity as uh you know as a an american and you know with your you know, your chinese identity and then uh kind of almost dissolving all of that away uh you know how much of that kind of plays in and out of of your work do you feel um, I think it's integral. Um, and well, okay. The, when I started, you know, playing with, you know, anthropomorphic characters, um, I kind of, you know, deduced a, a strategy, uh, that, um, you know, to validate this, the, the, the usage of these kind of characters, um, and that is that by using these kind of cute animal-esque characters, I am uh, bypassing any potential like ageism, racism, and sexism hmm. that would come with using actual human characters. You know, um, is that a calculated decision at the start, or is that something you kind of unpacked later on after kind of just instinctively following that? A little uh, bit of both. In their um, okay. You know, um, you know, all of when I started painting, you know, in Los Angeles, I, I felt that every move that I made needs to be deliberate, and you know, because if I'm ever questioned you know, as to why I do something, I better have a smart answer for it. 
you know, and so that was one of the things that I came up with. And it wasn't until like, you know, maybe like seven or eight, nine years when things were really solidified, was I finally comfortable enough to also include that when I first started, I was not comfortable with the way I illustrated human beings. I couldn't paint like a Mark Ryden or a Todd Shore or, you know, any of these really prolific you know, painters, you know, mm-hmm. and so and it was just easier for me to do these, you know, cartoonish characters. And I'd never really had, you know, what I would consider to be um, an official, um, any official training in, um, uh, in painting. I you know I went to school for graphic design, um, yeah. which I felt was instrumental in helping me um, understand all these theories in visual communication, like in composition and color theory, um, and um, you know the, the use of visual metaphors, etc. Um, and you know, but you know, like I said, I you know I I I wasn't very good at you know rendering human beings and. So I found painting these, you know, little bear characters, you know, rabbit characters, monkey characters, uh, chickens, etc., to be, um, you know, just much more my speed at the time. You know, yeah. um, you know, as I got became more familiar with, uh, with the brush um, and uh, the paint, I. Um, obviously, I started experimenting a little bit more and kind of incorporating more human, actual humans in my work. But um, by then, you know, I had also, you know, been, you know, kind of easily easily recognized as being the guy who, you know, created keep this bearish character. And um, it was, you know, being that like I tried collecting art a little bit. You know, I, I mean, I still collect a little bit, you know, whenever I, I have a little hmm. spare money. But, um, you know, I, you know, when you're looking at like work, you know, especially if you're like a new collector, the thing that you want, there's, you're looking for two things when you're in a gallery. You're either A, looking for a piece that really connects to you narratively, or B, a piece that best represents that artist. You want a trophy. That like you know, so you can show off like, look, there is my and you know everyone says Luke Chu or Mark Ryden or you know uh, David Cho or whatever you know because it's so obviously a piece right. of work by that artist. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me a little bit jealous of like these contemporary artists who like you know. Every couple of years, they just change their entire, you know, visual lexicon, you know, um, like say. Yeah, you, you mentioned a story in, in uh, your your book, uh, Bearing the Unbearable, uh, just a collection of some of your work, kind of, th- I think, mm-hmm. 2003 through 2009. And you talk about one of, one of your um, your shows and the one piece that didn't sell was was a piece that didn't include some of your yeah, the characters um, that mm-hmm. you're famous f- you know, for creating, and uh, and 
you talked about that that kind of frustration of you know, they only want one thing from me uh and this other creative piece of yourself somehow felt rejected or devalued. And even though you'd sold every other piece in the entire show, like you were kind of fixated on this one that was, that was passed over. Yeah. I, well, I think that's just the, uh, um, unfortunately that's just the way most human beings are wired. You know, you could be showered by compliments, but like if someone like says something, something, you know, negative, and it rings true to you. It's the thing that's going to stick. The you know, it's, it's what's going to stick. You know, um, and um, you know the the fact that this one painting that I put so much more effort into than every any, most of the other pieces uh, because it was different. You know, um, because it was my. It was an attempt at me to show that I, you know, could, you know, do something more than, you know, this, you know, rather limited world that I, though it's not really limited, it's, but like in my own head, like it felt it was, you know, it was a very limited kind of, you know, world that I created, you know, and just the, you know, the rejection that I got from that, like, it, yeah, it stung. You know, and going back to my uh, um, what I was saying about like you know addiction and addiction issues, this is this weird like you know kind of preconception that like no drugs, you know, make you know are are fuel for artists and creativity, blah blah blah. You know, look at Basquiat, you know, great artist junkie. You know, and, um, you know, for me, what I found was that a really expensive addiction did not bring out, like, you know, my, you know, creative spirit or whatever. All it did was limit me because, you know, when you have, like, to spend X amount of money every day to fuel your habit, you need to make sure you have that much money. Yeah. In, yeah. And so, you know, all I, so realizing that like this formula worked best for me, um, I stuck to that formula, you know, and to, mm. you know, to make sure that I, you know, got paid, you know, like when I finally was able to break th- free from the chains of my addiction, you know, I, my hand was so, and my mind were so stuck in this cycle of painting in this formula. Like, you know, it, it like break, uh, now I'm, I'm still trying to break free from that formula. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm still stuck in it because, you know, now I've got like, you know, rent and like serious <laughs> rent, you know, and, you know, bills. You've upgraded like, your quality of life and, and that puts mm-hmm. pressures on, on the art that you're creating. Um, and Absolutely. the commercial viability of that art, of course. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, a band like you two, or, I mean, it just seems like a relevant, you know, kind of touchstone there just because you know, they've been around so long and they've managed to go through different evolutions but then you know one of their most recent tours was just was going and just playing the joshua tree record you know front to back and could look at radiohead and and kind of go through the same exercise oh absolutely 
Well, they just re-released freaking OK Computer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was a little surprised by that. Like, you know, um, I always kind of like, you know, it's, it's great that you brought up Radiohead because, like, you know, I was, you know, you know, really, I mean, like, you know, from like the Benz, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. OK Computer. I mean, like, those were like amazing albums. And then I kind of felt like when they hit that Kid A period, like they just kind of like went off the deep end. But it was respectable because like, you know, to like kind of let go of all of that and just, you know, go for it. Like that, that's, you know, good for you, you know. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that like, you know, after like three albums of it, maybe four, like, you know, it all just kind of sounds like, you know, like there's none, nothing in very little of that. Those albums stick out to me. Really? Like, hmm. you know, I mean, I can like th- when I think about them, like, you know, and like Kid A, Knives Out. I mean, like I, I didn't even really listen too much of like the last two albums that they released. And yeah. like, you know, none like it was all very kind of like, you know, fueled by like this kind of trancy electronic uh, experimental kind of thing you know I've, I've, i have ideas that i've been wanting to do that are you know contemporary in nature abstract you know um but like another thing that happened um of course was the recession pretty much messed everything up you know for a lot of people including myself did you notice like a like kind of art collectors like kind of dry up like during that period? Um, um a little. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, okay. it was definitely much. It wasn't as easy, you know, moving you know artwork. And not only did I do you know paintings for gallery shows, I also you know produced. Um, like limited edition designer toys inspired by my work. And I felt, you know, where like, you know, the first couple of releases that I did in the, in as uh, designer kind of toys, like, you know, the, you know, the, the, um, the company that produces that I still not whom I still work with monkey King, their like servers, like, you know, would crash because of just the, the rush of like collectors trying to get their hands on these items, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, that world, the art toy thing just never quite recovered, um, in North America. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, was actually, I, and I know I'm one of the lucky ones because I'm still able to produce, and people are still interested in what I'm doing. But like, it's definitely not what it was in between like 2007 and 2010. Everything just kind of, yeah, collapsed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you have um, sort of a. It's almost like a, a remastered, you know, edition of of one of your classic kind of toy adaptations, the possessed um, figurine of of this bear with you know his hands kind of you know paws drenched in blood and and this you know, little uh, little demon kind of hovering behind him with an Atari uh, joystick uh, with a little cord running down into his head. Yes, um, yes. It's uh, I've. 
I'm I'm so excited, you know, about this, this piece <laughs> kind of reemerging. I've I've got a little you know, reminder in my calendar on you know it's like trying to get concert tickets or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was talking to um, uh, a colleague of mine, my friend uh, Jesse, uh, yeah. Jesse Yu. Um, he basically was suggesting, like, you know, yeah, like Possessed was just one of those seminal pieces from that period, and you know, um, and that like, you know. You know, the it's good to kind of you know use an opportunity like a a ten year anniversary or something like that, which this is what it is, to yeah. you know give new fans an opportunity to get a piece that they can't get their hands on anymore. You know, and yeah. um, you know I'm uh, a collector of toys as well and you know i'm you know whenever like you know certain licenses you know re-release you know um something maybe modified a little bit you know updated a little bit or whatever to you know um i you know it always makes me happy because you know i can't afford to like you know pay the flipper price for you know the original i just want you know to you know give new fans this opportunity to get a piece that was very important to me you know and to my career and you know the what I'm also doing is you know we modified the piece significantly well not significantly we modified it enough so that like if you put the two together you can easily spot differences between the two um, between yeah. the original release and the the, the 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 new one, but at the same time they they have the same very basic you know like this is still you know using the the basic sculpt but we modified like one of the arms we you know um, updated like the the sculpt you know to like you know you know so that the eyes are like are are. Um, um, sculpted in. I think when I originally created the figure, I didn't have the eyes, you know, sculpted in because I wanted to, you know, create some sort of give offer me the, the flexibility of um, maybe changing the expression if I wanted to. But um, yeah, that, that uh, never uh, it never played out that way. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that I also promised myself was that, like you know. When I originally released Possessed, there were these two other colorways that we had released, um, a black and gold version and a black and white or black, white and gray version. Mm-hmm. And I promised that I would not recreate those variants in the second run to, you know, just to preserve not, like, the kind of that special sense of. Yeah. Like you of, yeah, the, of collectability you the, of those of those earlier pieces. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so like we developed, you know, about um like four other variants variants on the design uh for, you know, people to also, you know, even if you do have the original uh first generation of that toy, you can, you know, and you want to like you know put these new variants on in there they will you know you'll have something that you know isn't was never produced and is you know new and fresh i guess you know um 
you know, as new and fresh as a 10-year-old toy can be or a 10-year-old yeah. idea can be. But, um, yeah. to to connect back to an earlier earlier point in the conversation kind of talking mm-hmm. about um that the kind of like the identities that come up with like uh like kind of coming from an immigrant family i kind of had a reverse uh, kind of situation where my, my parents were christian missionaries who uh, moved from america to ireland and then and had their family in ireland and um and so i kind of started i kind of began my childhood here and then they moved back to the U.S. and then I kind of got lifted and sort of moved to the U.S. and then I moved back to Ireland in 2009. And Mm -hmm. so had these kind of strange, like these points of like dislocation and trying to figure out, okay, am am I an Irish person with an American accent or am I just, you know, an American person who's like deluded into thinking, you know, that he's Irish or, you know, these, all these weird kind of dynamics there where you're trying to figure out like, what the hell am I? I'm just this kind of mongrel sort of thing. And I was curious what your, what your experience of that has been with, you know, kind of growing up in the, in the U S um, you know, as a, like a Chinese American guy who's oh. got like, you know, American tastes and video games and, and just all of this culture, but then also has this own, you know, legacy through your parents and, and how that right. kind of affected your, your sensibilities growing up. Well, you know, I, um, I grew up in a, a small, um, city, in uh, California, I grew up in Fresno, California. I mean, it's not really a small, small city, but you know, compared to Los Angeles or San Francisco, it's you know, pretty insignificant. And it's um, you know, kind of you know, got the reputation of being the armpit of California because it's literally like in the San Joaquin Valley, and you know, San Joaquin Valley is just this big old valley in the center of you know. California. Um, and, um, when I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old, uh, which means, you know, um, I was there, you know, from my seventies, eighties. And in 1991, I, I, I left the Fresno to go to school in San Luis Obispo, which is still not, which is even smaller, but it's much more, Mm -hmm you know, much nicer, but, you know, growing up in that environment, um, 
one of the things that like, you know, happened was I, I experienced a lot of bullying and, you know, um, a lot of difficulty, you know, general difficulty because of my ethnicity. And I found myself, you know, pretty much rejecting uh, my ethnic heritage, um, you know, at an early age. And um, I, and it wasn't really until I moved to Los Angeles in 2003, you know, when, like, I started kind of, like, you know, beginning to, I mean, like, well, you know, growing up then, like, I, I mean, there were certain things that I, 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 you know, did acknowledge, you know, about, you know, my Chineseness, and that is, you know, specifically in the food, you know, yeah. um, you know, we, I grew up, you know, growing up then, you know, I grew up uh, at, that, at that time, I grew up in a time when, you know, finding genuine Chinese food, you know, especially in a city like Fresno was hard, but there was this it's one little restaurant in Fresno, um, and uh, they had, you know, it was the classic case of the two menu um, kind of style restaurant where they had this yeah, beautiful yeah. leather bound, like kind of, um, you know, with foil stamped, like lettering, you know, <laughs> yeah. on the front for, yeah. you know, the Western cuisine. And then they just had a laminated sheet of paper, you know, in Chinese, you know, that, um, you know, people who wanted to order, you know, legit Chinese food would order from. And, yeah. you know, that was, you know, in eating that food kind of made me realize like, oh, there's, you know, something so good here. And it's not sweet and sour pork. It's not, you know, egg foo young and it's not, yeah. you know, whatever. And um, it was the one thing that I a little bit of that gave me a little bit of like you know it's good to be Chinese you know kind of I think uh, kind of thing but you know you know again like I it wasn't until I was 30 and then and then moved into Los Angeles and I moved into my parents place I was going through what you know my friends and I fondly refer to as our quarter life crisis and <laughs> I yeah, um, yeah. Mo- comes from with Yes, it's uh, it's it's. A, I think it's a, a common thing now, and I. But like, we, I moved from San Luis Obispo to a city called Monterey Park, and Monterey Park has the reputation of being, um, the new one of the, like, predominantly Chinese areas in Southern California. And I remember when I first moved here, and I was just walking around and. Like, you know, going grocery shopping with my parents and eating out and like everything's in Chinese all over the place, you know, and like there's just Chinese people everywhere. And I had never seen so many Chinese people in my life, you know, in, you know, um, yeah, yeah. In, Amer- in America, like, you know, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, you go to San Francisco, there's a lot of Chinese people there. But like, you know, this was kind of different because I wasn't visiting. I was living in it. Course, and yeah. um, 
it wasn't, you know, until, and then, you know, before that, when I was in, um, uh, Fresno and, uh, uh, and San Luis Obispo, I had very few people that I would actually consider, uh, being considered as being my friends that were Asian. Um, actually in San Luis Obispo, I had no friends that like I, that were Asian, um, yeah. that I can really, well, maybe a couple, but like, um, you know, but they, those are just kind of like cute little novelties, you know? And, but mm. now, like now that I'm living in uh, Southern California, I, I feel like almost all of my friends now are like, you know, Asian and, um, I don't know why it worked out that way. Um, you know, maybe there's some, you know, it's not that like I'm trying to, you know, like self-segregate in some way. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like I still have plenty of Caucasian friends and, you know, and, um, I like, you know, try to, you know, find, you know, spend as, you know, whenever I have opportunities to like go out and hang out with them. But, you know, I, I can't deny that there is, you know, a, a weird kind of familiar, this, this familiarity, like, you know, like why well, don't have hmm. to explain myself, you know, because okay. I don't know, I yeah. picked up like these weird kind of be, you know, thought, you know, schools, ideas that are, you know, kind of indicative of being Asian American, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I can't like, you know, I, I, I can't like really like, you know, single out any, what those ideas are, but like, I know, especially when it came, comes to dating, like, you know, um, I definitely found myself explaining myself as being, Oh, it's this a Chinese thing, you know, okay. uh, before when like, you know, it was like, uh, I was dating, you know, a, a non-Asian girl, you know, mm-hmm. versus like, you know, dating, you know, an Asian girl and, um, you know, where I didn't have to explain myself, you know, um, but like, you know, it's, um, and, and, you know, just recently, um, just actually a month ago, I, you know, went out to China, uh, for the Shanghai toy show. Yeah. And, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, that was an eye opening um, event to me because, you know, up until, um, what, what month did I go there? April. I kind of felt like this art toy thing was a dying thing. Like, you know, I, I, it wouldn't bother me if I, my, this, you know, the last toy I produced was my last toy. Honestly, would I have, have no problem with that, you know, but after going there and seeing the enthusiasm and interest and excitement and the energy and like, you know, just, you know, like, you know, like the prize open and, yeah, and people yeah. running across freaking like, you know, this big ass, you know, convention center to get in line for, to pick up a toy, you yeah, know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it just, it something it reminded me of 2007 and though, you know, my presence wasn't necessarily like, you know, I, I'm definitely more popular here than I am over there. Um, I definitely... It reminded you of 2007 in terms of like the toy scene in the States? 
Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. Right. It was like that. Like people were hungry and they wanted and they were, they got yeah. money and they were ready to spend, you know, <laughs> yeah. I felt like, you know, it's just, you know, I, I'm, I, I just need to, as long as I like, you know, have, I'm, I'm working with a, a company that likes is interested in working with me. And i found that with, um, this company BTSS and, um, you know, uh, are interested in, you know, working with me on developing a name and a reputation in there, you know, then, you know, it, it's an opportunity that I, you know, definitely want not only that because not only because the, the money, but also, you know, I'm, you know, kind of harkens back to this fact that like I am, you know, Chinese American and it's kind of this like going back to my roots kind of thing, you know, even though I sadly cannot speak the language, you know, okay. but, you know, uh, and the reason why I can't speak the language, uh, am I allowed to like, you know, um, get like, you know, salty with uh, on this podcast? Okay. Yep. You know, yeah, I, absolutely. I, it's an explicit rated anyway, so. Okay, great. Um, you know, I, I often like, you know, will jokingly say like Fresno beat the chink out of me, you know, and, um, you know, literally. <laughs> and um, so, right, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, because of all, like, you know, the bullying and all the, you know, crap that I had to, you know, deal with. And, you know, um, you know, but part of me wants to like, you know, develop, you know, like I've already done pretty well out here in the United States. Now I need. You know, it's like my one of my goals is to like, you know, to to be able to, you know, develop a name and a reputation over there as well. It's like, you know, I, you know, uh, you know I want, you know, to, you know, I would love, you know, to show my, you know, my parents like, hey, you know, I, you mm. know, I, I, I returned back to this country that you, you know, hold in such, you know, high regard because it was home and uh i made an impact you know um right. unfortunately my father passed away last year and so he i'm sorry you know, won't be saying that oh thank you yeah um but like you know my you know fortunately you know my mom's still here and so you know um, i'm hoping i could be able to do something you know while she is uh still you know here to witness it you know right I wanted to ask ask you about your parents, um, how they processed and, and accepted your your artwork. You know, because I, you know, I, I feel <laughs> like there are, you know, it, like it's it was so expressive and so raw and so kind of literally like inside out, um, and and yet there is like. You know, like a, a cultural context of of like propriety and um right. where where that could really you know apply tension and like did did they accept your artwork um wholeheartedly you know, or was it was it a struggle for them to to interact with it you know i think that like you know i wasn't a, well okay like you know okay going back to this idea of growing up you know asian american right um, you know, my parents, you know, like, you know, were to a certain degree, like most Asian parents in that they wanted, you know, uh, they were hoping that I would, you know, find a, choose a career that would, you know, be, 
you know, well-paying, you know, and, um, you know, like, you know, most parents, most especially Asian American parents would, you know, want their children to go on to be doctors and lawyers and, you know, engineers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think my parents pretty real recognized pretty early on that I was not doctor, lawyer, engineer material, material. (laughs) (laughs) you know, though I wasn't like stupid by any means that I just, displayed zero interest just interested in, in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in, in those things. And I was drawing, you know, I started drawing, you know, when I was like four, maybe, you know, um, pretty early on in my, my, my life. And, um, you know, in the beginning, my, my parents were, when I was a child, were, were very supportive in that, like, you know, during the summers, they would uh, drive me to this, the Fresno County Art Museum to take, like, art classes. And, you know, I did that entire thing. And, um, and, you know, and out of respect for, you know, my parents, I, you know, I, I I didn't honest. I honestly did not believe I had what it took to be an artist, like a studio artist. Like okay. you know, you know how much like luck and you know, just luck, just fucking luck it takes to become a successful artist. And you know, I mean, like there's kids out there who are paying fucking yeah. like six yeah. digits yeah. to like you know to go to a, a fucking school, and there's no guarantee you're going to be. Mm-hmm. A, a, a big name artist, none, you know, and so you know, I I never you know went to art center or any or Cal Arts or Otis, you know, the three big you know art schools in Southern California, and I want to do something in the as a, in the visual arts, but I want to respect my parents and do something practical, you know, something that like you know is a career and would be a lot more steady than if I tried pursuing like some unrealistic dream, like, you know, being a painter or some, you know, something like that. And so I studied graphic design and uh, my parents, you know, pretty much accepted it. But the thing is, is that like, you know, when I moved to um, back to Los Angeles, I was already damaged because my life as an addict kind of started when I was still living in San Luis Obispo, um, mm-hmm. where I was, um, you know, doing like OxyContin way before it became, you know, Oxy fucking Cotton, you know, and then like, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, when that just kind of became a little too crazy, I, you know, shifted gears into doing heroin and, all the other crap because it was a little bit more accessible, you know? So when I showed back up and when I, when I left, you know, San Luis Obispo, I left defeated. Like I was a broken man by then. And I moved to Los Angeles and I sobered up here. And, uh, in my, you know, struggle to, you know, find a job, make friends, et cetera, um, I, you know, discovered this, you know, underground art scene in Los Angeles and, you know, through that, you know, built a career up. And in the beginning, I think, you know, my, my parents were like, you know, it's, 
you know, at least he's working, he's doing something, you know, um, you know, of course they kept on like, you know, encouraging me to like, you know, throw my resumes out there and like, you know, find a, uh, you know, a, a, a design job, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, after a couple of years of me kind of like really like doing it, I, you know, like, uh, my first, you know, um, my first my first show I did in this underground art show scene, um, I did what like most amateur artists uh, did. It's the I, I refer to it as the amateur artist mistake, and that is <laughs> I cr- I create a gigantic painting, you know, because I wanted to be like a fucking museum artist, you know, and I put you know everything I could into this thing, you know, and. You know, I fucking priced it up there. Like, you know, like I think I I had it priced at like, you know, you know, like a couple thousand dollars, which, you know, I mean, for a huge painting like that. Yeah, that's that's about right. But like, you know, not no no one's going to just fucking walk off the street with a fucking couple thousand dollars in their pocket and buy something from (laughs) a no-name fucking artist, you know, it's just, you know, practical economics, you know, so, right, you know, right. you're um, not a brand name kind of at that stage. Exactly. And so, um, I, you know, I, you know, that night, the, the shows that back then were the, the shows were only one night shows. So after the show closed, I took the painting off the wall and, you know, defeatedly walked it back to my car and, and left and it wasn't until like I later on, uh, like the the following weekend, I I hit up two different art shows. I hit up the Camille Rose Garcia art show at Mary Karnowska Gallery, and I hit up the um, uh, what should we call it? The Death Piece Sun show at Giant Robot Gallery. Mm-hmm. And those two shows taught me a lot about. You know, like Camilo Rose Garcia is one of my favorite artists, and I think the reason and the reason why is because her work, um, like, was both narrative and designy. You know, in its execution, like you mm-hmm. know, like there's, and um, so I, you know, seeing that I was like. You know, it's definitely kind of got me thinking. And then the Death P. Sun show. Death P. Sun is a Bay Area artist who has been active for a long time now. And he had this show where basically it was just these tiny little paintings, you know, all very nice, like, you know, moderately priced, like, you know, $100, $200, $50 here, $75 there. And he had like about like freaking, you know, like, I'm going to say like 40 of these little panels, like arranged salon style in the gallery. And like almost mm-hmm. all of them were sold. And that like suddenly clicked on with me, like scale it down, price it to sell, you know, whatever. And so the second time, so taking the, that information, I went back to the studio and, you know, created the next two paintings which i think if you look at them again and and they're on my website they're from in the 2003 section one of the paintings is called feeling blue 
the other paintings. Yeah, I was smoke. just looking. I was just looking at, at those in the in the art in the the art of Luke two. Uh, yeah. yeah, the feeling blue is definitely inspired by Death Peace Sun, and smoke definitely has some of the environmental narratives that Camille Rose Garcia, um, you know, incorporates in her work. And, you know, with my second show, I sold two, my first two paintings, you know, and after that, I was selling everything that I produced. And um, because I scaled down, got my prices, like those two first two paintings, I sold for, I think, $200 each, you know, which was mind blowing to me because, you know, throwing $200 down on a no name is a lot of money in my eyes. You know, I don't just like, you know, you know, look at a painting and go, who is that? I have no idea. Well, I like it. $200. You know, when I buy art, I kind of want to know what's, you know, it's pedigree, Hmm. you know, and it's, um, whatchamacallit, um, I want to know who the artist is and like what they're dealing, what they're doing and, you know, what their history was and where they're going, you know, because not, I mean, sure, I can relate to it, but like, you know, I also want to, it's also a bit of an investment to me, you know, and um, did you begin anyway. judging your your own worth? Like, did that price tag feel like your kind of what you were worth, kind of as as a person, as as an as an artist? Like, did it as an artist? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's that's. I felt that that was very much, you know, worth. You know, what I that was what I was worth at that time for sure because. You know, I'm doing these warehouse parties in downtown Los Angeles that are one night. You know, I'm no nobody knows who the hell I am. You know, um, and you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure you felt a bit like an imposter at that at that stage. I still feel like an imposter. But the thing is, is that and I sincerely do feel like that. I, I, I often am afraid of art school students looking at my work because I feel like they're going to think I'm a total fucking hack. But um, you know, and I, I won't deny that I am. You know, because like you know, I, I. But at the same time, I, I know what my strengths and I know what my weaknesses are. But you know, <laughs> back to the idea of like my parents' acceptance. Yeah. After a couple of years of this, you know, transitioning from underground parties to gallery shows and then like, you know, doing my first sellout show and then like, you know, my parents start coming to the shows and they'd see like these galleries filled with people and art selling and like, you know, that's when my my parents both felt they had, you know, a sense of confidence that, you know, Luke can potentially make it, you know, in this. And mm. though I, you know, I'm, I won't deny that I'm constantly questioning it because you never know what life, you know, has in store for you, you know. Um, yeah. 
You know, I'm, you know, I, I've watched my parents, you know, transition from one career to another, to another, you know, and, you know, I, I'm often like wondering, like, you know, like, will I be an artist till like, you know, like, you know, how I romanticize this idea of like, you know, the geriatric, you know, artist, you know, on this hospital <laughs> bed, you know, doing sketches on you know you know random pieces of paper and like you know art dealers coming in grabbing him selling him putting money in the account blah 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 like you know i i love to fantasize of this idea like is that really what's going what you know the fates have in store for me i i have no idea you know but like i'll be the first one to admit that like you know luck played a huge role in my success. And the reason why I credit luck is because of the fact that I believe that I've met and I know artists that are a lot more talented than I am, who work a lot harder than I do. And, but for some reason they're just not clicking. And, you know, why is that? What, why isn't it, why aren't they, you know, more successful than I am? And it's because it's not just talent or hard work, you know, yeah. um, you know, um, I, I used to, you know, th- say that like, you know, there is, you know, a trifecta, there's a trifecta that you need to be a successful, to be successful in the creative industries. And that is that you need talent, you need discipline and you need luck, you know, and because, and like, I have an artist friend of mine who I would say is very disciplined and lucky. And his talent is, I don't know, uh, I, I wouldn't say that he was a maestro, but, you know, he, and so he started off strong, but then after about like six or seven years, things started waning. And then I also have another artist friend who had plenty of talent and plenty of luck, but very little discipline, and the same, um, the same results, you know. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I don't know. Um, it, it starts to fuck with your head a bit when you, um, like, when you start to analyze all of the things that. Uh, Mm-hmm. That can that can go wrong or misalign or, or uh, I mean that can become its own kind of like corrosive kind of thought whirlpool I suppose. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, like literally just yesterday, um, I was talking to a uh, a colleague, uh, one of my a very close friend of mine. You know, and for the past couple of weeks, he's been sick, you know, and he's an artist and um, his vision has suddenly started getting really bad, you know, like and, um, you know, it's gone to the doctors all over the place. And when I spoke to him last night, you know, he basically was saying that he's his doctors are now, um, you know, going to want to test him for lymphoma, you know, and like, that's like, you know, literally like a month ago, this would not even be something that I would consider as something that he would have to, 
you know, that was, uh, that was even on the table, you know? And so it's just like, you know, and like, you know, hearing that from him last night hit me like a fucking, a ton of fucking bricks, you know? Mm. And it was just like, you know, like life is just, just, there's so many weird elements that, you know, come into, you know, to, to, with life that, you know, you just, you know, it's, it's also unpredictable. It's also like, there's no fucking logic to like, you know, to, to, to this, you know, and it's, uh, you, you just have to like fucking take it as it comes and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, hold, you know, and hold on and like, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and go, you know, like, you know, one things that one of the things, you know, I'm, I'm I feel fortunate that like, you know, my, my parents raised me to be humble. And, you know, part of that is that like, also this realization that like, my career can just drop out in like, you know, you know, in like, like, willy nilly, it's just poof, to be honest, like, all I have in my life right now, uh, you know, at least in my eyes, is this is my art career. I don't have a family. I don't have you know wife. I don't have children. I don't even have a fucking girlfriend. You know, all I have is my family and yeah. my art. You know, and I don't know what I would do if you know, um, you know that this thing was taken away from me, you know, and, um, I don't really want to know what I would do, but like, you know, I, I have, I've had friends jokingly, you know, tell me, you know, Luke, you should really, you know, strategize your exit strategy, you know, <laughs> i.e., you know, because of just the, 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 you know, the, the, the all or not kind of mood and I, you know, you know, of my work, you know, it's, it's very fatalistic, you know, and, or, um, and, you know, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, an artist who, you know, illustrates these, you know, you know, really heavy narratives, you know, deserves a, uh, uh, to go out with a bang, you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, you know, that's only if, you know, you know, th- you know. Obviously, I don't really want to fucking do anything, you know, stupid. But like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's been glamorized and romanticized in a way that I think is really sad because they're, like, you know, they're, like, the world has, has like lost some some really beautiful like creative spirits, like to just depression and drugs and and these you know these these different vices and like i i i just find that incredibly sad i the whole kind of flame out uh, the the 27 year old curse or whatever it is you know right right right. i don't i don't find anything particularly redeeming about that i i Um, I completely agree with you um and i i completely agree i um i think that like it's um Especially like, you know, I, I mean, like, you know, and I think that like, you know, we actually kind of live in an, in an interesting kind of time because like, you know, like if, you know, if Basquiat, you know, died of a drug overdose nowadays, 
it wouldn't be like this romantic thing. Like, you know, people are kind of over the, you know, OD kind of have to be a victim now if you, you know, for it to be a real tragic exit, you know, like, I don't know, car accident or something like that, you know, like not, and not my fault kind of car accident, but like, you know, some like, you know, fucking drunk driver, you know, comes yeah. crashing into my lane. That would be a fucking crazy tragedy. You know, but like I'm nowhere near a place where uh, in my career where like, you know, people like would like, you know, say something on, you know, the fucking nightly news, you know. So I've got a lot of work to do between you know, now and whenever that happens. Talk to me about your studio and and uh, last you know last night like you were you know kind of up yeah, working yeah. work working late and um, like I mean talk to me about that process. Well, um, my studio is um, a really small small space, um, maybe about the size uh, a little smaller than a one car garage. You know, okay. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tiny. Um, and, um, when I was living at, uh, with my parents, um, there used to be a little shed that the previous owner had built. And there's actually photos of it in the book. Yeah. I, I, I fondly referred to it as the shedio and, um, I, um, worked in that space for, I don't know, say the first uh, six, maybe seven years of my career in there. It had it was like literally a tin roof, plywood kind of like uh, like tool shed that. Yeah. Um, and I, um, when things you know finally you know were good, and I was able to save some money. I, um, we hired someone to tear down the shedio and I put up a much bigger space, uh, which I, you know, the one that I said is approximately smaller than a one car garage, uh, which I fondly refer to as the shedio two. And, um, <laughs> I love the names, it, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. And it's, um, 
it's um it's like I said, it's behind my parents uh my parents' house in their backyard. Um and you know, though I would love to have like, you know, a a warehouse studio with concrete floors and, you know, um like, you know, fancy lighting and all that stuff. Um I I I just don't wanna you know, pay rent on an apartment and pay rent on a studio. So I continue using that space. Um, It gives me an opportunity to check in on my mom, who, like I mentioned earlier, was somewhat recently widowed. And, you know, um, just, you know, spend a little, like, you know, have a meal with her and then, you know, be in the back until, you know, like three in the morning working in there. I, you know, find myself usually kind of like, being up, you know, kind of late, um, and, uh, waking up kind of late. Uh, but, um, you know, maybe there's something about just the kind of the quiet atmosphere or, um, you know, just the, uh, the cooler, you know, you know, environment. Um, I'm not a fan of hot weather. Uh, not that it's hot right now, but like, um, you know, generally, you know, the evenings are cool and, um, yeah, I just kind of, um, find myself kind of being able to focus a little bit better, you know, as, you know, the, you know, the, the evening progresses. Um, right now I'm working on my, um, September solo show. Uh, it's my, first solo show in Los Angeles where I live, um, in about three years. Um, I haven't, you know, um, done a show down here in a long time. So I'm pretty excited about like, you know, um, you know, doing some, you know, just kind of getting something together, you know, for this, uh, you know, this show. Um, yeah. you know, being that I'm from Los Angeles, uh, the, I feel like my, my audience has grown up with me, has, you know, much more intimately than, you know, outs- any to say anywhere outside of Los Angeles. Not that there aren't people that have been following sure. closely or, sure. but, um, you know, these are a lot of the people that, you know, I, my, I think my, my largest audience is in Los Angeles and, so this gives me an opportunity to kind of be a little bit more experimental with my work, be a little bit more, um, and and you know I, I just kind of, I, this is basically the city where I was able to get my start, and you know I and so I, I usually save my most ambitious ideas, my most you know dare I say interesting ideas for my LA shows. Um, whereas, you know, when I do shows outside of Los Angeles or in other countries, I try and I'm, I'm, I find myself usually kind of sticking pretty closely to formulas that, you know, are generally a little bit more successful. Maybe, pro- yeah, proven Maybe, out uh, a bit. Yeah, you know, it's but, it's like, you know, being a band, I guess, you know, people want the hits, you know, <laughs> so, you know, you're going to yeah. get more sad bears from me, you know, when with blood on them, you know, meanwhile, like, you know, with um, this upcoming show, I'm like, um, I'm doing my best to, 
um, you know, kind of expand on my uh, uh, repertoire of color characters and, uh, you know, use this opportunity to try some some new things. Um, big. I also, you know, do big paintings uh, for these LA shows, things that I wouldn't otherwise, you know, feel comfortable shipping, you know, mm-hmm. probably because either a, it costs so much to ship or, you know, transport, um, like a larger painting. Um, and, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, uh, I, and I, well, there's, well, in the United States, there's only, like, maybe two or three um, areas that um, I think are kind of um, conducive to a, you know, um, a gallery show with collectors, um, you know, and, and collectors, yeah. and those are Los Angeles Maybe San Francisco, not so much anymore because, hmm. you know, San Francisco has changed so much between, uh, you know, say when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s to now and, of course, New York City. And I'm still working on a uh, kind of a connection between, uh, you know, for with a, a gallery in New York, but... Uh, New York is definitely a little bit more, um, I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, I, 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 I take issue with the word contemporary art because obviously contemporary art, you know, it, you know, the words themselves contemporary means, you know, like art from now. And I yeah, yeah. like to think, you know, I would love to fancy myself a, a contemporary artist, but the fact that, but my work being much more illustrative in its um, presentation um, yeah. does not, you know, like, I don't know, um, fit into this, you know, preconception of contemporary art um concerning ideas for shows i've you know i've often like you know for for a while now i really fantasized of doing these great thematic shows um like there's so many artists out there like do these shows that are that revolve around a a central theme you know, say like, you know, Mark Ryden, um, he did like some of his previous shows were like the tree show, which was like a show that like all had like a lot of this weird, like kind of tree themes or like, you know, um, like, uh, Gary Baseman did like this one show that like had this one kind of like festival kind of theme or, um, um, you know, but like, you know, for the life of me, like, I just can't, like, create, like, you know, 25 paintings all around a singular idea, you know, and, um, I mean, I could, but, like, I just don't think I can do it, Okay. you know, um, and, you know, I, and so, you know, um, this upcoming show is just, um, a collection of various 
themes and ideas um, that uh, have come to me in the past couple of years. You know, I usually, whenever I have an idea for a painting, I usually write notes in my on my on my phone. You know, store all these ideas, and then I'll go over the list and I'll choose you know ideas and go okay that that'd be a uh, a good one to see or that's a painting I want to work on right now or you know and then like I'll have clusters of ideas like maybe like you know three to five paintings that all fit within you know a uh, uh, a theme but like you know I, I just don't want to do 25 of these paintings I just want to do five of them mm-hmm. you know and um so, you know, there's like a bunch of different like themes. Like there's a wrestling thing that I want to um to to do in this show, which is about, you know, my relation again, my relationship with my character. So it's like me pro wrestling my bear, you know, and I think <laughs> my you know, the and in like these iconic pro wrestling moves that like, you know, um I I, I just think that would be really fun to see. Um, and then like, you know, I got this, um, this idea, these like, you know, characters where they're like, they're basically their bodies are human, but their, their heads are like little houses, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, I, um, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know where the idea came from. Maybe it, you know, it's kind of rooted in this idea of like the American dream of being a homeowner. And, um, you know, I just don't feel like I'm anywhere close to being one, you know, mm. um, God, I don't California. know. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, you have to be really disciplined, I guess, you know, and, or rich. Um, yeah. but, um, and, you know, I'm not disciplined enough and I'm definitely not rich. So, um, you know, but like, so I've got like about like five of these paintings that like, you know, of these, you know, you know, home paintings, like I've been not sure what to call a series. Like I was playing around with like, you know, calling them like homeboys, you know, for a second, you know, or then like, you know, home is where the head is. You know, I don't know. I'm still kind of, you know, trying to find uh, a clever kind of, you know, title for that series. And then, like, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I, I feel like, you know, just the, th- the thing that ties all of these paintings together, you know, despite their divergent narratives, is that they're all created by me. You know, yeah. they are all basically paint ideas that came to me within the past couple of years, you know, and, um, you know, I think that like, you know, um, and, you know, I don't want to be limited by anything. I just want to do what I want to do, you know? Sure. It's just kind of hard coming up with a name for, um, a show that is just kind of an amalgam of all these random ideas um and so you know um i've got a couple of names that i've been you know titles show titles i've been like playing around with but um you know we'll see we'll see it's um you know and you know 
like I said, I, I know one, with my ideas, I, I basically kind of write them out instead of sketching them out. And the reason why is because, you know, obviously when I, you know, visualize the paintings, the ideas, um, you know, I, you know, have a specific kind of visual in my head. But like, you know, after I kind of write it out and after leaving it alone for a little bit of time and when I go back to it, I'm hoping that like the way I visualize the painting will be different, you know, evolved because of time and experience or, um, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, rather than kind of, you know, keeping myself tied down to this initial I, you know, visualization. Your work has been very kind of like interior and, and very personal. Do you feel like there's expectation, especially in a political climate like this, uh, for you to come out with, with some grander kind of political statement in the, in the painting that you're doing? I'm always striving to illustrate ways in a universal manner. In a way that, like, you know, people from various age groups, various ethnicities, you know, um, can, you know, see and, you know, take something away from with. And then, like, you know, and if I did have a political message in my work, um, I, I would definitely make it really vague in terms of what... I'm trying to say, because you know, I mean, like though I think most people would, you know, assume that I my my personal politics lean toward progressive or liberal, you know, and they're definitely not, you know, incorrect, you know, when with that assumption, I don't want to, you know, um, like block off, you know, people with. A conservative outlook, you know, from enjoying my work, because you know the thing that the things that I'm most interested in communicating, you know, are just the human experience. You know, one of the 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 themes that I think I I like to, um, you know, essential to to illustrate is the the idea of innocence lost. Yeah. You know, and um, it's a feeling that I think every human being can relate to in one form or another. You know, obviously, like, you know, we, we, we were talking about, like, you know, the this idea of facades uh, in my work. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think that also ties in with this innocence lost idea. Yeah. You know, this idea of like, you know putting on a, a different mask, a different face, you know, for a certain situation, you know, like, you know, when you're juggling so many faces and masks, who are you at the end of the day? Really? Like, you know, um, yeah. um, and, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to a certain degree in that, like, you know, because I spend so much time, you know, by myself, you know, um, I like to feel that I'm pretty in tune with my, you know, core personality. 
you know. But like, I would imagine that if I'm constantly around people, interacting with people, I would, you know, like get lost in my my facades. You know, I think the one thing I I've been trying to be a little bit more comfortable with is um, replying to people on social media. Now, it's impossible for me to like address everything because there's like you know Facebook, you know Instagram, Twitter. Like you know, it's there's a lot to to, to juggle there, but like. You know, I, I, you know, I remember talking to uh, a friend of mine who worked in like, you know, publicity, you know, social media and publicity. And, okay. um, uh, you know, and I was talking to her about like, yeah, I, you know, I don't really kind of like, you know, really read like the, the comments or like, you know, the PMs or anything like that, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and she was like, you know, and I was just like, why not? And I'm like, well, I, I just don't want to be that accessible. And she's like, you know, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, connecting with, you know, your audience. Like, you know, it's actually like, you know, you know, it can actually be a really good thing. And, you know, and so, you know, like when I'm, when I'm out, you know, socially, I, I'm, I, you know, I try and be as friendly and, you know, um, as I can to everyone, you know, just because I want to be liked, you know, but like, you know, and so, but also nowadays, like, you know, on social media, like if people ask me questions, you know, I will, um, and I'm, you know, free, I'll, I will reply to, you know, as many as I can. If people PM me, you know, uh, with a comment, I'll try and reply to those on I'm always kind of like, you know, like a little irked by like these super popular artists who follow absolutely no one. It's like, right. You're such a narcissist that like, you know, you, um, can't give other people, you know, uh, you know, an inch of your attention, you know, that's fucking lame. You know, I think there's a stereotype of like, you know, what a successful person do- is and does, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm working now to try and buck that to be not that I'm like some super successful fucking guy, but like, you know, I <laughs> guess like, you know, I'm successful enough to like, you know, that like, you know, when I do reply to people, they're always pleasantly surprised, Yeah, you know, yeah. and um I think that, like, if I can make someone's day by just, like, you know, taking a couple minutes to say thank you, you know, for the support, then, you know, uh, you know uh, yeah, I try, I try and, like, you know, do that. I feel that I feel that generosity and um, in you taking uh, this time to to chat with me for the podcast. And it was just oh, a real I had joy a lot of fun. to. Yeah, it was just a real joy to kind of hear about hear about your you know, your journey with with creativity and and kind of dealing with some hard shit in your life and 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 bleeding it out onto the page and and making something like make putting it to work, you know, make making something something beautiful out of it. And uh, so I appreciate you kind of sharing that. And and I th- I think art is 
there is something very intimate and generous, you know, about especially digging into um, some of those those darker, more vulnerable parts of your experience and giving other people like myself visual language to to grapple and and feel a little bit less alone with with their own uh, wrestling. Oh well, well, thank you. That's that's very kind of you to say. Thank you so much for, you know, um, wanting to talk to me and wanting to share, you know, my, yeah. uh, my, my thoughts, my words with, you know, your audience. If you enjoyed the topics we covered in this episode, head over to my website at jason-killingsworth.com, where you will find lots more content to check out. While you're on my page, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you don't miss the latest articles and videos I'll be posting there in the days to come. There are links in the upper right corner to my various social media accounts if you want to hit me up directly. The theme music for this episode has been Morning Flats by the band Limbic System. If you're looking up their stuff online, uh, just be aware it's spelled with a bunch of Y's like Leonard Skinner. Okay, that's it for now. Till next time, stay curious. Keep making that thing you're convinced the world will despise you for and try to be a bit more patient with yourself because as the proverb reminds us, be happy while you're living for you're a long time dead. Take care. Take care.